Well, if you have come to know Christ, come to know God through our Savior, Jesus Christ, you are indeed a child of God. You have been free, not to free to live for yourself, but to live for another, the one who loves you, cares for you so very greatly. And he gives us his word, reveals us who he is and what he expects from us. So let's take that word and find your way to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, it'll be a little bit before we get there, because with these standalone messages that we're doing this summer and this issues, that is the issue of a day, either in the world or in the church, inspiration, meaning the Bible, that is, what does the Bible have to say about it? It requires a little more setup than we would if we were just preaching through a book together. So in just a little while, we'll get to Romans chapter 12, and then we'll conclude our time together in Proverbs chapter 3, which was read by Michael just a little bit earlier. So I was talking to a a young man the other day, and uh, he began to unpack this story for me. And what he said to me was, I was dumped by God. And I said, what are you talking about? Nobody gets dumped by God. You have to help me understand what you're saying. He said, well, I was dating this girl and everything was going fine. Everything seemed to be great. We were doing great together. And all of a sudden she shows up to me one day in tears and says that she wants to break up with me. And I said, well, what reason is this? And she says, it's God's will for me to break up with you. And he said, I was dumped by God, man. I said, that's hard to argue with, isn't it? When someone dumps you, and it's God's will to do so. Oh, that's what we're talking about this morning. Not being dumped, but this idea of wrestling with one of the biggest questions of Christianity. What are we to do, and how are we to find the will of God? God's will can be used as an excuse for a lot of our behaviors. Oh, it was God's will. That's why I did these things for our bad choices. And we often think about the will of God as being a very confusing concept or difficult to know or to know what God wants for me to do in his will. But the scriptures actually teach it a little bit easier than we make it out to be in our culture. But we certainly need to know the will of God. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, says this. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord. Now, if you remember, last time I spoke with you a month ago, I told you that I was going to continue in this message what I started last time, last month. So I'm sure all of you last night went and rewatched that message I spoke last month, didn't you? No, probably not. Maybe one of you, and that would be happy if even one did that. So I want to just recap for us just a little bit of what I spoke on last time, and that is that there is a secret will of God, a will that in his sovereign plan, as he ordains and orchestrates all things in the world, we do not know about. That's why it's called a secret will. It's not for us to know. In fact, R.C. Sproul says it's a secret. Frankly, it's none of your business to know. It is what God is doing in the world. But God does not keep us in the dark, although we don't know his ways and his ways are beyond ours and beyond finding out. But God gives us everything that we need to know for life and what God requires of us in his revealed will to us. The rest of this verse, Deuteronomy 29, the second half of it says this. It says, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do 
all the words of his law. So the scriptures speak of two different kinds of God's will. That is the secret, the secret or the decreed will of God that we cannot know, that we can only see after the fact how God is working. And then the second will of God, his revealed will or what is called his commanded will. Let me say this morning, God's revealed will to us is very clear. What he expects from us. But often we talk about the will of God as some kind of concept, the revealed will, that we can't figure out. We often think of it more as what path should I choose, what decisions should I make, more than letting the word of God inform us as to what God's will is. My kids love this show on Netflix called You vs. Wild. It's where Bear Grylls, this wilderness guy, goes out on wilderness journeys, and every decision he comes to, he leaves it up to you. It's like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books, but actually on the TV, and he says, what do you want to do? He puts the idea, if this is the two ideas that we have, the two choices that are in front of you, which one do you want me to do? Now, both of them seem very reasonable, but only one of them has a positive outcome. And oftentimes, we look at it and think, I think this is the way that God presents his will to us. Both of these things that he gives to us seem reasonable, like I could choose one of these, but one of these is not going to be in the will of God, and it's going to end in disaster for me, or it's going to be God's will, and I'm going to be living right where he wants me to be. We look at it and say God is holding it from us. It can't be known that somehow he is dangling it in front of us and we're just right there ready to grasp it right within our reach but it's just beyond us just like this video here that i love you almost had it you gotta be quicker than that you gotta be quicker you gotta be quicker than that oh so that's a uh, State Farm commercial. Someone made it into like a 10-minute loop of just that, and I may or may not have watched the whole thing. <laughs> I just love that. It's, but often that's this weird thing. Is God's like, here it is. Do you want to know my will for your life? Oh, oh, oh you almost got it. Nope, I'm going to pull it back. Because aren't we, we're obsessed about the future, aren't we? How everything turns out. We want to know what things are going to look like in the future. The Face app came out this week. Did anybody see that? Oh my goodness, like everyone wants to know what am I going to look like in 40 years from now? And some of you are out there thinking, I do not want to know what I look like 40 years from now. I, don't, I hope I'm here in 40 years, right? So the Bible says, it speaks of direction for our lives, yes, but that's not ultimately what the will of God is about and how it is presented in Scripture. Jen Wilkin, who I believe is one of the greatest Bible teachers of our day, who we should all read, she says this, God cares less about the decision we make and more about the decision maker. God cares less about the decisions that we make and more about the decision maker. Romans 8 verse 29 tells us this, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. So Romans 8, verse 29, as you see there behind me, this is the ultimate goal of God's will for us as Christians, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Or to put it more simply, 
God's goal or God's will for your life is to be like Jesus. That's what he's trying to do in your life. That's what he is working out for us. And let's look at a couple of passages that show the will of God in the scriptures this way. They're not focused on future plans, but more focused on our present actions. 1 Thessalonians verse 5, 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. For this is the will of God, that you, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So the scriptures are pointing out here, namely these verses from the apostle Paul, that the will of God is more of what we're doing in our present reality, rather than finding out what is to come in the future. Look at this next set here. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What am I supposed to do? I'm not supposed to be foolish and to be wise instead, so that I know what God wants me to do. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And here Jesus is saying, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, he is my Sister, So there is an emphasis here on not just knowing what God wants us to do in the future. He, there is an emphasis on what he wants us to be doing right now. What kind of people are we becoming in this moment? That's what God's will is most concerned for us, and that we can know. That is sure what God desires for us. So as you're there in Romans chapter 12, I want to take us through a process that does exist for us to know what God's will is for my life right now. What is God's will for my life right now? Romans chapter 12, we're just going to look at one verse in verse 2. This is what, the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. God in heaven, as we look into your word now, I pray you'd reveal to us your will, what is good, what is complete, what is perfect, what you want us to do in the here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul presents to us here two ways for us to live. The first one is to be conformed to the world. The world, speaking of the system of the world, this present age, how the world outside of Christ operates, its values, its schemes, what's most important to the world. He says, don't let them conform you into their way of thinking. And don't start, because it starts with your thinking, begin to adopt the practices of the world. To be conformed means to be pressed into a mold. My kids just last night, before the power went out, were playing with Play-Doh. And they had all these different cookie cutters, these little machines that they would stuff the Play-Doh into. And whatever they placed on top of that or whatever they cranked out, that Play-Doh became. It became molded to whatever was placed on it. And Paul is saying, don't let the world stick you in its devices so that it is shaping you. 
making it what it wants you to become. Conformed is what happens to us naturally when we don't pursue God's ways. We become conformed to the world when we're not being proactive in pursuing Christ. It happens really without us knowing it. It starts with a small decision, and then before we know it, we're totally being conformed to the ways world, to the way of the world and its systems. And then we're like, whoa, how in the world did I get here? Uh, when I was in high school, I discovered that you could get 12 hush puppies at Long John Silver's for $1. And on top of that, they would give you for free all the crumbs that would fall off of the fish that they were deep frying that you could just eat. And I thought, wow, okay, one of them is free and one of them is a dollar. 12 of hush puppies, that's a whole meal. And so I decided just about every day that I discovered this, that after I was done with either some kind of sports practice or work or whatever I was coming from or when I was bored at home, I would go up to Long John Silver's right on the corner, go to the drive-thru and get a whole box of hush puppies and free crumbs. And this started off as a choice. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like my car was an autopilot headed in that direction. I just found myself more and more eating these $1, 12 hush puppies and free crumbs. And as a result, what do you think happened? I began to take on the shape of what I was being conformed to. I became like a hush puppy, deep fried and round. I didn't even realize it was happening to me because I was putting myself in that situation. That is what I became. And unless you realize, unless you're pursuing Christ, you're defaulting, you're gonna default to the world and you're not even going to realize just how worldly in your, in your actions and your thinking is. So what do we do instead? Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This transform speaks of a mesamorphosis, of a a butterfly, of a tadpole to a frog, a complete transformation from the core of who you are that then goes and affects your actions. It's a total renewal, a total change in your thinking. Instead of being conformed, instead you're being renewed continually by God through his word and through his Holy Spirit. How are we being transformed? By renewal. Now, renewal does not happen naturally, does it? The transforming does because it is God working in us. It is he that is changing us. We can't change ourselves, but renewal is something that does not happen unless we act. I had a $12 fine at the library this past week. How could that have been avoided if I would have gone online or simply called them and renewed what I had checked out, right? But because I let it go, I did not renew it. A fine was the result of it. 
So Paul is saying here, listen, you've got to be proactively pursuing Christ, starting with your mind, being informed by God, being informed by his word, living with his spirit, and the result will be that you are going to be transformed in the renewing of your mind, and then, by testing, you will discern the will of the Lord, what is acceptable and what is perfect. So how do you know the will of God? By being in the word of God. By having a mind that is coming under the authority of God so that when I come to situations in my life, I can know this is what God wants me to do because this is going to make me more like Jesus. So is it possible to live outside the will of God? I mean, if God is doing all things in the world, we can't change his plan. Is it possible for us to live outside of his will? It's not possible to live outside the, the secret will of God. His purposes always come about, but yes, absolutely, it is possible to live outside of his revealed will. When we set our minds on the things of the world, when we don't renew our minds, when we don't be conformed to his image and through his commands, we are living outside of what God has called us to do as Christians. So yes, it is possible, and we do it all the time. Now, when we think about the illustration that I shared at the beginning of this, we don't want to use God's will as a, for the poor decisions that we make to say, oh, this was all God's will for me. That's not how he speaks of it. But if that girl was dating this guy who was a jerk and not making her more like Jesus, then yes, it was God's will for her to break up with him. And just as God has called us to joyfulness, as he tells us in 1 Thessalonians to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, God has called us as Christians to every moment be choosing every single decision, not just the future decisions, to live in accordance with God's will. Have you noticed that every road in Ankeny is closed? (laughs) It's terrible. If the fastest way to get through Ankeny is Delaware, that's a problem. How many of you find yourself so frustrated? I was saying, well, if they could just get this fixed and get, or or think about a strategic way that every road is closed at the same time. I've earned the right to be upset about this. And I think about me, I'm in Sailorville, so I'm not an Ankeny taxpayer, and I get to enjoy the benefits of Ankeny. I'm like, come on, Ankeny taxpayers, you should pay a little more to get this done, right? Like, oh. <laughs> but we don't have the right to get upset. We don't have the right to get angry and go through all those things that I just said. The will of God is that I become more like Jesus. So in that moment is to rejoice. I didn't have any power last night, and I was trying to get my notes over here, and I had no electricity. I was stumbling all over the house. God's will for me was not to get ticked, not to get angry, but to rejoice. And the only way that that happens is to have a renewed mind, that my changing thinks, my changing, my my thinking changes. As I am continually being transformed, God is renewing my desires to be more like his desires. I begin to be transformed to be more like 
Jesus. I don't remember the last time that I had a hush puppy. It's been a long time. Why? Because my desires have changed. I haven't had one in years. I see the benefits of of not having them anymore. Now, it's easy to talk about years ago and hush puppies and something funny like that. But I think about just my own life and I look at how conformed I am to the world. How much it shapes me and how it's my own doing by not pursuing Christ as much as I should. I want to live in the will of God, don't you? Is that your desire? To be in the middle of God's will that he tells very plainly to us? That's what I want. I want to become more and more like him because God is less concerned about what I'm doing or what choices I'm making, but more of who I'm becoming in the midst of those choices. So what is his will for us, for you, to become more like Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit? What's his will for Sailorville Church? More people, more like Jesus. What a great statement that captures what God's goal is. He wants to see people come to know him and then to grow in him. This is the will of God concerning us. But we do have to make decisions, don't we? We do have to make decisions, and God cares about our decisions. And we want to make decisions that go along with his will. If we are to think the thoughts of God, we'll start to make decisions the same way that he does. And so I want to give us a little bit, now that we understand that the word, that God's will isn't something out there, but it is something out there, but also more something right here. I want us to talk about decision-making for just a moment as we close here. And for that, I'll turn with us to uh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, going to a familiar verse for many of you. If not for you, then it should become a familiar verse for you. I'm going to start in verse 4, and then I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 as Solomon gives us why these verses are here. It'll be on the screen behind me too as well if you don't have a copy of God's word with you. Proverbs Four, five, and six says this. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man if you do these things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. If you want to make godly decisions, decisions that are in the will of God, then first what you'll do is you'll trust God fully. Trust God fully. He says, with all your heart, trust God. If God told us everything, our future plans, it wouldn't require trust, would it? We would just go about and know exactly how everything was going to happen, and we would just trust that we know the future. I'm actually not sure if we knew the future, if we'd be able to handle it in our lives. The things that we have gone through. As you look back on your life as a seasoned Christian here, and you think, if I would have known those things that have happened to me before, ahead of time, man, I don't know if I, I would have just been living in constant worry of the things that were coming. So God says to us, trust in me fully, with all 
your heart. Because here's the problem, as Gerald Sitzer says this, we'd rather have a map than a guide. We would rather have a map than a guide. Because a map says, here is where you need to go. A guide says, trust me that I am going to get you there. I'll be with you every step of the way. And so God is calling us in full trust, in dependence on him. Oh, we love to be independent people, don't we? That's why God hasn't told us the future, because he says, if I did, you wouldn't depend on me. Trust me with everything. Because let's be honest, which is more enjoyable, to freak out about the future or rest in the one who knows it? Which way would you rather live? Which way do we normally live, right? Oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus says, trust. I've got this. I'm your guide, and I'm going to walk you through this. And in fact, I've given you the Holy Spirit, God himself, who's living inside of you. And you don't know how everything's going to shake out, even the hardest things in your life right now. But God promises that he's going to be with you every step of the way. Secondly, when making decisions, don't make the decision on your own. Don't make the decision on, the, on your own. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Yes, seek the Lord in prayer. Seek the Lord in his word. And seek God's will for decisions in your life through godly people. People who are also pursuing his word. Which I'll show you a verse from that in a moment. But I want to come back to God and his word. What does he tell us in Psalm 119? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of us, we go to God's word to look for direction? when we're faced with big decisions. And you think about if you've made most of your decisions in your life already to this point, and you think about, did I even make the right ones? Perhaps not. But trusting in God, knowing that he holds the future, and you can't mess up his plan. So start now Looking at his word, it says it's a light unto our path. The word does not become the path, but it lights the path in the way we should go. It shows us what obstacles we are to avoid along the way as we have God's word. So God's word, for example, doesn't tell you who you should marry. God's word doesn't tell you what job you should take. But it tells you what kind of person should I be in marriage, first of all. What kind of person should I be looking for? What kind of job should I take that's going to further the kingdom of God? And this is where it comes into not doing on your own, too, is Proverbs 19.20 Proverbs 19.20 and verse 21 says, listen to advice. How many of you are like, no, I got this. I don't need advice. I'm an autonomous person. Come on. No, the scriptures say, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans of the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
So again, we're seeing there reminded as we try to figure out God's revealed will to us of what he wants us to do. We keep in mind that he has a secret will that will prevail over ours and all his purposes are going to come about, but we want to be godly people and seeking godly counsel. And then thirdly, look to God for everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways acknowledge him. If God's will is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, then that should influence our decisions, shouldn't it? So asking ourselves questions like, will this decision cause me to be more like Jesus? Will this decision help me help others to be more like Jesus? Do we think this way? Well, we won't think this way if we're conformed to the world. Instead, we'll think, will this decision decision benefit me? Will this decision help me accomplish my goals? It's going to take me away from church. It's going to take me away from time in the word. But it's going to be fun, and I'm going to enjoy it. But that's not what God's will is for our lives, is to make us more like Jesus. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all your needs, all the things that you worry about will be given to you. If this is our desire to seek first God, we're going to know what his will is for us. He's not going to make the decision for us and tell us exactly what to do, but he will guide us and is more concerned not about the decision, but what kind of person we're becoming in that decision. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, why would, I ever be, why would I ever live for someone else's will? Why would that ever make me happy? I was listening to a podcast this week of two guys who don't know the Lord discussing that they wanted to live moral lives, that they wanted to live their lives for others. And I thought, that's good. That shows the common grace of God in these men. But I thought to myself, but that won't last That won't last. You can't serve people enough. You can't be moral enough. That's why Jesus said in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's Jesus say? My nourishment, what sustains me, what gives me energy is to do God's will to accomplish what he has called me to do. Is this your desire, believer? Is this the place where you're living right now, that your food, your nourishment comes from living God's will? Or right now are you living outside of his will in a a relationship that isn't pleasing to God? a hobby that's taking you away from the things of God. You're not rejoicing. You're living foolishly. And you would say, honestly, yeah, I didn't realize how much I was being conformed, pressed into the mold of the world. Turn from that. And instead, don't just leave it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because keeping all of God's, listen to this, keeping all of God's will and trying to live his will, it won't save you. 
It can't because you and I live outside God's will for us all the time. We're broken sinners. Only one person has ever kept all the will of God and he offers us salvation because he has kept God's will fully. And that person is Jesus Christ. And he holds out to us his hand and he says, I'm not going to give you a map, but I'll be your guide. I'll bring you to God. I've already mapped out the way for you by living a perfect life in your place. I've died on the cross for your sins, bearing the punishment that you deserve for not keeping all of God's will. And I rose again so that you could follow me. And if you follow me, the way that you get on this path is you can't pay for it, you can't earn it, you simply trust me that I've paid everything and I've paid the path for you. And I will lead you to a point on a bridge that I will direct you to God and lead you to God himself. And along the way, I'll never leave you. I'll never go away. Trust me. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you will understand what the will of God is, what is good and perfect. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that we would make decisions that honor you. Decisions that you would you'd be pleased with. That, yes, are going to benefit us and how you've wired us and how you've gifted us and how you've made us to live and what you've given us to do. But ultimately, that your will, your desire for me, for this church, and for all who know you is to be like the son Jesus. So in every situation we ask, how will this make me more like Jesus? I wanna live in God's will. I wanna be renewed daily so that I can comprehend and understand what God has for me. So I pray for the one that's here right now that is refusing to be renewed, that is instead being shaped by the world because they're not they're quenching your spirit. They're not in your word. They're not spending time with others who are encourage them. God, I pray for the one that's here this morning that your sovereign will is not what they desired right now. They're hurting. They're struggling, trying to make sense of everything. God, I pray that in this moment they would be renewed, that you would, they would see this as an opportunity to be more like the Son, Jesus, and would cry out to you and honor you and love you. God, I pray for the one that's here that doesn't know you, that they would trust you, that they would believe that Jesus died in our place, that he rose again, and he offers us a guide his word, the Holy Spirit guiding us through life that will never leave. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.